0: in the series, even though Christmas is over, we're going to say keeping the Christ in Christians. Uh, again, the whole purpose of this series was the idea that uh, whatever culture does with Christmas, whether they call it happy holidays or they change everything or whatever, uh, it's completely out of our control. And so, but what is not out of our control is the idea that Christ is living in us and that everywhere we go even if they say you're not allowed to say Merry Christmas or whatever, if that would ever be the case, uh, you bring Jesus with you every place you go. And so that's what we've been talking about is this idea that his love, his joy, his peace, his hope is what you bring every place you go. And so we're going to be talking a little bit this morning on what I talked about on Christmas Eve um, a couple nights ago. And uh, it continues with the Christmas story. Jesus has now been born. um, But we go back to Luke chapter 2 where it says, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom his favor, uh, uh, with whom he is pleased. And this is really what we all want in life at the end of the day, right? I mean, we all, when we think about, when you think about, let's say, retirement, Maybe, so the, I don't know how you phrase your retirement, but the way I think about retirement is this word here. I don't have any responsibilities, I've saved up enough money, or the gov- I've worked it out so the government can send me money every month. I don't know how I'm going to work it out, but I will work it out somehow, and this is what I'm in search for. Basically, to do what I want, when I want, with whoever I want, and no one can tell me what to do, and that will be peace. Peace finally i don't have to come to church here and be yelled at by our staff i don't have to have a board attacking me all the, no i just you know when i retire i'm just hoping for peace and that's probably what you're hoping for and if you're retired maybe you're like oh my gosh my life is busier now than it's ever been it's crazy everything's going nuts and it's not the peace that you had kind of hoped for but Cornelius Plantica has this beautiful, it's kind of a lot of text, but I just want to read it to you because he gives this really beautiful idea of what peace actually looks like, what shalom actually looks for. He says, in the Bible, shalom means universal flourishing. In other words, everybody's flourishing. The poor are flourishing. Those who have been historically historically marginalized are flourishing. It's this universal flourishing, wholeness and delight. Yes, it can be fun to follow Jesus. A rich state of affairs in which natural needs are satisfied and natural gifts are fruitfully employed. A state of affairs that inspires joyful wonder as its creator and savior opens doors and welcomes the creatures in whom he delights. Shalom, in other words, is the way things ought to be. And so when we go back to Isaiah and we look at this idea of who this savior is going to be, why do we celebrate Jesus' birth? We see this, Isaiah 9, 6-7. For a child has been born for us, A son is given. Authority, uh (laughs) uh-oh, rests upon his shoulders. Authority? That's not usually what we think. But when I think of retirement, I think of no authority. Actually, what I think of is me authority. Like, I'm going to do what I want to do when I want to do with whom I want to do it. Right? But now we're seeing something different authority rests upon his shoulders. And he'll be named Wonderful Counselor, which we love that. We love having God counsel us when we're upset or when we want to know what to do or we say, God, I I, I don't know what this next season is going to bring or who should I marry? Um, uh, how many kids should we have? Some of these things. Should I change jobs? Should I do these things? And especially now during COVID, there's so much turmoil and we're thinking to ourselves, how do we move, move on through that? We, we love Wonderful Counselor. We love mighty God, the idea that there's a creator of the universe and he's omnipotent and that there is some sense of control and we love everlasting father, a father unlike our earthly fathers. And for some of us, um, I love my dad and so it's not easy, it's not hard for me to jump from my earthly father to my heavenly father, but for some of us, you think about your earthly father and you're like, I don't want an everlasting father. But then we know that God is good and we say, okay, he would be a good replacement. And then it ends with these last words, the prince of peace. And you have this tension that's in all of us who are followers of Jesus between the authority of God and the peace of God, that God is king, that he is ruler, that he is what we call the lion and the lamb, like we sung this morning. We say we can give our lives over to him and that, that he will provide, he will fill in the gaps for us. There's this tension. Here's the point I want to make this morning and the point that hopefully we'll make through the coming weeks into 2022 because this is the theme that I want to, us to keep pounding away. Against our culture, against what our culture would say, my idea of retirement is. I get to do what I want, when I want, with whoever I want. And then you always have to add the caveat, which you probably already know, as long as it doesn't hurt somebody else, right? We always have to add that thing because then that bring some type of authority to it, right? As long as it doesn't hurt anyone else. But how do we know if it hurts somebody else? Some of you are here this morning thinking about your family of origin and maybe your parents, maybe it was a dad or a mom that was extremely dysfunctional and they were just acting the way their parents did and that's just the way it went and they didn't realize they were actually hurting you by doing what they want, when they want, whenever they want. So here's my point for this morning, for the next few weeks, and for the whole year. Your life is not a democracy. You don't get to decide to do what you want, when you want, whenever you want. If you want the peace of Christ, like true peace, like universal flourishing and your gifts being employed and the doors being opened for you to participate. If you want that peace, you have to come under the authority of the prince, the prince of peace. Because it's only in the kingdom of God that that universal flourishing can happen. It doesn't happen in our culture. Furthermore, not only is your life not a democracy, you were created to have a king. You're like, no way was I created to have a king. No, that's not me. I was created to be independent. I'm an American, right? In America, we celebrate independence. We celebrate freedom. All these things are important, and don't get me wrong. I love being an America. I like America. God bless America. I love America. But there's something about our culture, the American culture, or Western, if you don't want me to be so specific, that says, You need a king, and you don't make a very good king. You need another king. And so what we end up doing is we end up pawning off that kingship, that authority to our systems and our structures. We pawn them off to our government and we say, oh, if we could get the right person in government, then we'd have the kingdom that we want in order to flourish. Or we say, if we can just uh, make sure that all of our ducks get in a row and we can make this our our financial institutions, if we could just get them settled down and and then just, it'll all work out. We're so wealthy we have so much money. If we could just distribute it perfectly to the right, different people. Then we'll know. Then there'll be peace, but there won't be. Because it was the God who created you that was designed you to have a king. Who is that creator, and no one else, especially not you or I. So let me just give you. A, I'm going to tell you a little story. We're going to be in Judges most of the time, which is a great. If you want to have fun reading the Bible, read the book of Judges. It's basically a bunch of short stories of like, they followed the Lord, everything went great, they didn't follow the Lord, everything went really, really bad, they followed the Lord, it was really cool, they didn't, it went bad, oh, they didn't again, ooh, really bad, oh, man, then they followed the Lord, it's just fun, it's just, uh, it's almost like, uh, well, like you and I, okay? Here's a little history with Joshua, Joshua is going to die, so Joshua took over from Moses, Okay, And he was the one that was going to usher them into the promised land, and he does, and, um, and, but now he's going to die. And if any of you have kids or uh, you take care of any kids, if you have grandkids living at home or whatever it is, whenever you leave, you do what I call a data dump. Okay, here's where the fire extinguisher is. Um, You know, here's how you call 911. Here's how you do this. Here's how you do that. You know, don't eat too much. Don't, you know, right? So you do a data dump. And that's what Joshua does at the end of Joshua. This is at the end of Joshua. And he's telling them, you're going to go in the promised land. Remember this. Remember the Lord. Remember the sacrifice. Remember the law. Because he's going to die, right? And So he reminds them uh, that Joshua's going to die. He has a reminder of the Lord. So... In Joshua it says, the Lord says, which is a word from the Lord, but basically it's just reminders. Hey, he was good here, he was good here, he was good here, he was good here, and guess what? As you enter the land, he's going to be good if you follow his decrees. He reminds them that the Amorites were defeated, and and they would all have remembered this. Oh yeah, that's right, right when we got here, that's right, it was those big guys, and we got rid of them. And then, and then this is so cool, read your Bible God defeated some with hornets. huh? Isn't that, can you imagine you're ready to fight and you're like, okay, we're going to go into the city, take care of all the evil people and we're going to go get it. And all of a sudden it's like, zzz, and it's just like all the hornets go like a drone swarm like back in the day. And it's like, here they come. All these hornets come. Anyway, I thought that was fascinating. And so his, his whole point is now fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. That is your king. Your king is God. Then the people answered, Far be it from us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. They are in 100%. And Joshua, who's been around these people all the time, says, "Eh, I don't think you're going to do it. (laughs) So he goes on. And he says, okay, okay. You're not able to serve the Lord. I just want you to understand this. Like, you don't really have the capacity to do it. You just have to do the best you can to submit to his kingship. You are not able to serve the Lord. He is a holy God, he is a jealous God. In other words, what Joshua is doing is setting up the authority and the kingship of your heavenly Father. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, what? John, you stand up here every week and you tell me that he does forgive our sins. Well, he forgives what you ask him to forgive. Joshua's point is, if you stray away, you're going to completely lose sight of God and he can't forgive sins that you're not asking forgiveness for, okay? And so he says, he will not forgive rebellion or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, he will turn and bring disaster on you and make an end of you after he has been Good to you. So Joshua's setting it up. You guys, if you're going to say you're going to follow the Lord, you have to make him king. And you have to obey. And the people said, no, we will serve the Lord. And then Joshua, it's really cool. I, I can't get into all of it, but basically Joshua's like, no, no, you're not. <laughs> I don't, it's just very funny to me. Joshua says, okay, you are witnesses against yourself. But you've chosen to serve the Lord, right? Everybody, right? Yes, we are witnesses. So here's the point Joshua says. Now then, throw away the foreign gods that are among you and yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. And they say, we will serve the Lord, your God, uh, our God, and obey him. And so what, he, what Joshua ends up doing is that once again, he says, no, nah, you're probably not going to, but here's the deal. There's this giant rock here. And this rock has heard everything we've said. <laughs> I know, it's, just read your Bible. This rock has been listening the whole time. I said, follow God. You said you would. The rock is listening. It heard everything. So every time you see this rock, remember, we had an agreement. I told you to follow God. You said you would. You said you'd get rid of all your idols. You can ask the rock. It'll tell you. That's exactly what happened. And so Joshua dies. And it begins to unravel like it does in everybody I've ever met who decides to follow another king. These little kings These little gods, maybe it's for you, it's politics that that has to work out. Maybe for you, it's finances. Maybe for you, you're getting close to retirement. I've been joking about retirement. You get close to retirement and that's all you think about. And retirement becomes your God. Maybe it's relationships. Maybe you're scared to death of being alone because being alone means you're just by yourself. And in fact, you're not by yourself. You have a heavenly father that is with you. But you say, I know, but that's not enough. I need this little king of companionship. And once I get that, then it'll be good. And I can take my little kings of finances and appetites and sexuality. Maybe it's your sexuality, and you're like, oh my goodness, if I don't have my sexuality the way I want it, I'm going to miss out. And your heavenly father says, it's a little king. Don't, you don't want that. You want me. I'm the king, I'm the ruler. So we move into Judges, and what happens is after that whole generation had gathered to their ancestors, in other words, they died, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Essentially, a generation grew up that was on their own. Now, I was talking to somebody this week, and I said, here's my... They said, oh, you're preaching on Sunday. I said, yeah, it's hardly anyone comes on the day after Christmas. But I'm going to preach anyway because I'm really passionate about this idea. But I don't want to look like an old man trying to go back to the way things were, right? However, I have to speak the truth. And the truth is that I am actually scared of the next generation not knowing. I am scared of the next generation That knows neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Because as Americans, we are so wealthy. We do have so much right at our fingertips. We are, even with all our problems of racial injustice and all the issues of America, I understand that. We are still in pretty good shape historically. And when we get comfortable... In our own life, or as a generation, we tend to look to the little kings. That's why addiction is higher than it's ever been. That's why depression is higher than it's ever been. That's why we still have suicides. That's why we still have people who can't figure out how to get through life. And it's our job, as people who hopefully have submitted ourselves under the king, to say, there's another kingdom. You might want to join us because that's where the Prince of Peace rules. And the way the Prince of Peace sees your life and the way the Prince of Peace knows you and has created you and loves you. These other little kings have no mercy. If you get into an addiction... That addiction, whatever it was that was going to just medicate and just get me through the day and it's just going to take the edge off the stress, that king does not love you. That king is not merciful. That king doesn't say, you know what, you've had enough. Why don't you take a break from serving me for a while? Money, the same thing. We get money, we make that our little king, and for a while we get a raise, and we feel so good, and we're like, okay, I can finally breathe, and that's all good. God blesses us with money. I'm not saying anything about that, but when we make it our king, that money says it's never enough. Again, this isn't an old man talking politics. I'm not doing that right. I'm an old man, but I'm not talking politics, but you notice these billionaires, like In my lifetime, this is the first time I've ever seen a billionaire, like one person that has a billion dollars. Do you know what they want? More. Wait a minute. You tell me I give you a billion dollars. You have a billion. And you want more? Oh, yeah. My God is never satisfied. My God is never satisfied. My God money, or mammon, as the Bible calls it, oh, it's a bad God. That God doesn't love you. Maybe it's your sexuality. Maybe you can do what you want, when you want, with whoever you want, as long as it doesn't hurt anyone. But it ends up hurting you. But your God of sexuality doesn't care. He says, okay, you want to watch that? You want to be with that person? You want to do this? You got this little side thing going on? Yeah, 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 it's fine. You got to do you, Boo. Go, go get it. Bad God. That God doesn't love you. That God won't see you through all the destruction that your sexuality brings when it's not under the authority and the kingship of our Heavenly Father. And the God says, God, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, got you. And you're stuck. Watch what happens. So they forsook the Lord the God of their ancestors who brought them out of Egypt. In other words, they're they're reminding this God who created this kingdom for you to uh, thrive in and flourish in and the peace of God who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshiped various gods of the peoples all around them. They started to copy culture. They started listening to the words of culture. It'll be okay. Everything's fine. That's old-fashioned. Wait do you see this altar we did for Baal. It's gorgeous. You should just check it out. We're not saying, we're not saying don't follow Yahweh. We never say that. We're just saying you got your Yahweh. And then, you know, if things start going bad and you just want to hedge your bets, do a little sacrifice to Baal just to cover yourself. No big deal. Oh, Asherah, the god Asherah. Yeah, you're having a problem having kids, or you your life isn't going. What? Just a few little Asherahs. They just on the side. That's what they start doing. They followed and worshipped various gods and the peoples around them. Now you would imagine if you're following the culture of the people around you and you're kind of embedding yourself into that thought process, you'd be celebrated, right? Wouldn't you? Wouldn't those gods be happy that you're here? Wouldn't they celebrate you? Good for you? The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and they forgot the Lord, their God, and served the Baals and the Asherahs. The ang- pay attention. The anger of the Lord burned against Israel so that he sold them into the hands of, okay, I'm going to do my best, Cushan, Rishatham, See, I follow Jesus because it's a lot easier to say. Uh, no, that was a terrible joke. They uh, he, he sold them into the hands of Cushan-Rishathaim, oops, whom the Israelites were subject for eight years. Isn't that what happens when you start following little kings? All of a sudden, you find yourself addicted. All of a sudden, you find yourself in a place where you can't get out. And all we had to do was just continue following the Prince of Peace. And yet we wanted to get these little seasonings, these little things on the side. And we think, oh, it'll be okay. We'll just do this and that, and we'll be celebrated on both sides. And then that king gets you. You want to do you want what you want, when you want, with whoever you want. You run up your credit card. I, hey, I want this. Amazon, it comes, it comes the same day. I still can't wrap my head around it, but it does. It comes the next day. You just, I want it. You get it. I want it. You get it. I got to have that. Oh, someone had this. And you go, and all of a sudden, the god of debt begins to grow. And then, oh, no. And you're trapped. And maybe it takes for that one thing you got from Amazon, takes you three five years to pay off because you you sacrifice at that altar and it feels good and you do it again and again and again and again maybe you can't commit to relationships and so for you you're young and you want to go and you know, have as many partners, many sexual encounters as you can. And you think, hey, as long as I can do what I want, when I want, with whoever I want, as long as it's safe and everything's cool, there's no erase, erase. And yet, you do not even know the damage you're doing to those around you. And the person you're becoming, that's a person that's just interested in you. When we lose the king, we, we were designed to have a king. And we become our own king. So he's, he's subject to um, Israel for, uh, he's, uh, they subject the Israelites for eight years. And then what happens, which was, happens, like I said, in all of Judges, they realize this is crazy. <laughs> like We can't do this anymore. And they go before God, and they repent, and they get rid of their idols, and they say, we're going to follow God. And then God comes through as he does. Do you know why? God comes through. Because unlike those other little gods, unlike your God of sexuality, we'll just call them appetites if we will. Uh, Other than your appetite, maybe it's an actual appetite of food and how you medicate through food. Maybe it's an appetite of sexuality, how you medicate through that. Maybe it's an actual medication, drugs or alcohol or something, and you're medicating through that. Those little kings... Have no mercy. They have no love for you. They just have their kingdom. And that's all they're focused on. Whereas, you have a father, heavenly father, who's a lion and a lamb. You have a heavenly father that demands holiness. Be holy, he says, for I am holy. But he loves justice and mercy. That's the kingdom of God this tension to be managed throughout our life of going, I don't like this holiness part, oh, but the mercy and the love and the comfort that God brings, that your king brings you. And so they do. They, uh, they end up, uh, the cycle just continues again and again and again and again. And then, Judges ends in the, mo- in the weirdest way possible. And uh, because we are in have kids in the sanctuary, I won't go through all the details of the story, but I almost guarantee you your parents did not tell you this story when they were reading the Bible to you at a young age. Because it is brutal. It is brutal what happened to Israel. But I'll give you the G version as best I can. Something happened and it was bad. Okay, let's move on. No, it's found at the end of Judges. You can read it for yourself if if you want. But essentially what happens is this Levite um, has a girlfriend that he wants to go back to Jerusalem and get. Because the girlfriend was with him and then she ran away and back to her house. And so he goes and he gets her and there's a whole bunch of weird things that happen at the house. And then he shows up at this town. And the town is supposed to, they have these laws of hospitality. So if you showed up in Garden Grove, which is where we are now, you showed up in Garden Grove back in the day, you would go to the town square. You'd have your bags, and you'd kind of sit in the town square. And then someone would come, probably from Living Spring, and go, hey, I noticed you're by yourself. Would you like a place to stay? And then they'd say yes. And so it was kind of this really cool Airbnb, but you didn't have to pay. You just kind of showed up, and then people out of the kindness of their heart because they're under the rule of the king and peace requires universal flourishing and they would say you're in need I have a house and so there we go and so nobody would take this guy and his buddy and his girlfriend and so he's just there and it turns nighttime and then a a wanderer comes in and grabs him and says hey would you like to come to my house they're like yeah sure this is great so they go and all the men of the town come to that house and they say we want to beat that guy up in some respect or another we want that guy that is in your house and he says no no the says no 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 we got laws of hospitality we don't do that what are you doing this what you're asking is vile and gross like stop it stop it And then the guy, like, offers some other people instead of this guy. Like, it was so twisted and weird. You read this, and you go, how could this be in the Bible? Well, it's in the Bible for a reason. It's in the Bible to show what happens to a culture that doesn't follow the God of the universe, that doesn't follow Yahweh. Their minds begin to get crazy, and so there'll be this this guy has this, version of morality like don't hurt this visitor but here's some other people you can hurt it's just weird and so you're reading this going does God want me to what does God want me to do in this story and so you're reading it you're reading it and so what ends up happening is he sends out somebody else and they kill that person and there's no justice It's just a dead person. So the Levite sends a message to all 12 tribes of Israel. I will not tell you what was in the package that he sent to the 12 tribes of Israel. I will leave that to your discretion to read it yourself at the end of Judges. And hopefully my lack of information will not be placed back on me. But that's what he does. He sends a package And the leaders of Israel open the package and they're like, justice has to be done for this. But their idea of justice was so weird. There's 12 tribes in Israel. They almost end up annihilating one of the tribes because they're just so twisted. And it's just weird And then they realize we can't do this and they regret it. And then they come up with a plan on their own and the plan is bizarre. And the plan, and I just want to say one thing really quick to the women out there. One of the biggest problems with not having a king, men don't do a great job in power at all. They're terrible at it. And unfortunately, the people who get it The worst are women and the marginalized. Because men, for some reason, I don't know what it is, And if you're a man and you're listening to me, sorry, whatever. We can talk about it later. But it always amazes me throughout history how women have to fight just for a voice. Like in our own country, which is great and I love it. God bless America. They had to fight to vote. Think about how crazy that is now. Whereas back in then, people were arguing women should not vote because their king wasn't Yahweh; it was their own power. They wanted to stay in power, and that was just my little side thing for your pleasure. Eight years they were subject, and so they they finally they send out this packages and. They mess up, and they try to get it fixed. And then the book of Judges ends. And you're like, what am I supposed to do with that? With that weird story? But it ends with one verse. It ends with one verse that I'm hoping you'll remember, along with the fact that your life is not a democracy, of what happens when we begin to bring in the little king. When we begin to uh, send out authority, we begin to shop it out. Okay, for how I deal with stress, I'm going to use this king. For when I'm happy and everything's going great, I'm going to have this king. And then over all of it, I'll have Yahweh. I'll have the God. I'll have Jesus. Jesus, if, I, if something goes wrong, I, got, I just run to Jesus. Hey, forgive me. This kingdom did, doesn't work that way. Here's how Judges ends as the worship band comes back up. In those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as they saw fit. And it ended up in one of the most bizarre, creepy stories you'll ever read. And God decided to leave it in the Bible, I believe, as a warning. When you copy culture, you will be captive by culture. When you follow these little kings, they will subject you. Maybe you'll get away soon. Maybe it'll only be a year. Maybe it'll only be two years. Maybe it'll be like this eight years. But that king does not love you. That king shows no mercy. And your life is not a democracy. You were created to have a king. I'm going to leave with just this one thing and then we'll, um, we'll sing a song and we'll wrap it up with a blessing. Jesus says this. Your King Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Now think of kind of the stories I've told you and the Old Testament and just the weirdness of it all. And now listen to the words of Jesus. Come to me. All who are weary and burdened by these other kings that show no mercy. And I'll give you rest. But, but, you have to humble yourself under the authority of this yoke upon you. So I messed up. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. This is what a yoke looks like. And so you have this thing. You've got to bend your neck down and get into the yoke. But here's the good news. Your king, your king is not on the throne watching you plow a field. He's right next to you. Let's go. We're going to plow this together. You have to take my yoke upon you because this is the authority by which I'm going to run your life, which is not a democracy. Get your head in there. Okay. I could almost picture him going, you ready to go? Yeah, I'm ready to go. Okay, let's plow. For my yoke is easy, Jesus says. And my burden is light. Lord Jesus, we are so thankful that you came as a baby. You showed us your humility. You showed us how much you love us. You showed us your mercy. You showed us your love. You showed us your peace. And yet you came as a king. You came as the prince of peace. And so I pray as we enter into 2022 that we would have this sense of our life is not a democracy. We are to... Come alongside of you to take your yoke upon us because your yoke is easy and your burden is light. We thank you for that. In your name, amen. All right, if you're able, go ahead and stand for the blessing. And now in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, I pray you'd go in his peace and his joy and his strength and under his authority. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week, and we will see you next Sunday.